Hello and welcome to the long-awaited episode 30 of Nasty Pals. I am one of your Nasty Pals, Stephen, and your other Nasty Pal, Adam, is here. Hello. Nice to be a Nasty Pal again. It is nice to be a Nasty Pal again. You know, life gets busy, things get in the way, um, but we are back with um, a movie with five names. So we are already back in the Nasty Pals. We're back in the comforting arms of the Nasty Yes, we have an Italian horror movie from the 80s with about 12 different names. Exactly. All is right in the world. Nature is healing. Mm, mm, exactly. And also, I guess, I mean, Nasty Pal listeners will know this as a trope. It's a movie that is trying to be Dawn of the Dead. It is. Like, it very... Explicitly like, so. Explicit, like, they're almost down to the, the pacing and structure. Like, there's... Um, the... Uh, like I, I, I time I turned on Dawn of the Dead, just to I see. I almost did to check if it it lined and like up. it yeah it li- it almost perfectly lines up in terms of just like the the runtime of what is happening in a given scene. Like it's it, it's 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 really incredible. And then uh, the the points where this movie is trying to be Dawn Dawn of the Dead, I'm having a great time. But um, okay. mm, that's okay. all of like ten minutes. <laughs> Yeah, true. I mean, it even does the multiple, but it, it's a lovely example of being like, you can replicate something and completely miss its essence and why it's mm-hmm. good, because things were not made to fit a formula, things were made and established a formula, so therefore hitting that formula doesn't always work. Um, on another podcast I'm doing, um, Ranking the Monsters, we were just talking about the Godzilla movies, and the Godzilla sequel, Godzilla Rays Again, tries to do Godzilla again, but because that film wasn't trying to set out a template, following the template is an utter mess. So this movie with its its multiple openings, that works really nicely in Dawn of the Dead. And this movie, I'm like, why is this film open four times? Yeah, it four, four, it opens four times for fairly distinct, um, what well, you know, s- setups. Um, mm. But still, like, I still like interesting. I guess, like, uh, it's still fun. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll get fun to this, in a we'll trash to, way. We'll get to this in a bit. This movie starts out as being kind of fun trash, and then very yeah. quickly just devolves into being simultaneously kind of like unpleasant while also not being fun and just it's very i felt like i've i've in my notes i've got like annoying written about 17 times yeah it went from being so you know classic classic naughty pals film at this at this point of i've been like oh this is fun to oh this is incredibly racist mm, yeah yeah and uh like and it's just this like it it's so dismissively racist i found was mm-hmm. the Mm-hmm. was the aspect of it because like there's a there's a point where i feel literally shows on the screen like um that it's in in papua new guinea not like you know like in papua new guinea but it's in like in the signage and something like that yeah um and then suddenly randomly we're in africa and it actually becomes about how this you know outbreak is specifically affecting africa and it's like oh you don't you just don't care it's just random you know. Which is weird because I talk about the footage. All the like, so much of the footage actually is of Papua New Guinea for reasons that I will explain later. Um, but the fact that they feel they can interchange nouns, yeah, yeah, just it's this, this very, is, very telling. Yeah, and like there was a point I was like, this is definitely like in like um, Papua New Guinea because of like the the stuff that they're going for. You know, like under like um, you know uncontacted tribes in the jungle is very kind of Papua New Guinea um, in in terms of fictional. In a, in a fictional context, yeah, in, and in then terms they of start, representation, yes, yeah, in terms of representation, um, and then they start showing footage of um, African elephants. And I was like, I, "Do you are you do you think these are? Do you, is, do you just go like, ah, oh, yes, let's get some footage of elephants and not knowing any distinction between um, 
the elephants in different regions of the world, and things like, oh no, no, this is just there. There's some footage of lions, you know, the savanna, <laughs> gazelles. Um, we're not in Papua New Guinea anymore. <laughs> Wizard of Oz time. Um, so, um, so this movie is from uh, 1989. Um, oh, sorry, 1980. I typed a nine rather than a zero. It's 1980. Um, the title we're going by is Zombie Creeping Flesh um, because I believe that is the title under which it was banned, but it is under many titles. Um, the one that often comes up is um, Hell of the Living Dead or Night of the Zombies. So Hell of the Living Dead is the one we're trying to find it, what it's often called. It's also called Virus somewhere, yeah. and the um, the Italian title is Virus L'Enfern O'Day Morti Viventi, um, which I presume means um, Virus Hell of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, got Infern in there. Um the poster is pretty. It's pretty cool. Virus, of just virus at the top, and then three seemingly severed heads. Yeah, I, I, I like, like. This movie had potential, you know, and like the first, oh, very like, much so. five, The first like five minutes, I was like, "This is great," um, and there's like they they occasionally happen upon that level of kind of Italian like splatter gore horror yeah. mania that I very yeah, much yeah, appreciate, yeah. and they're like this much like Killer Nun. The uh, imagery of the the uh, poster promises a lot. I feel this delivers more than Killer Nun does on the image of the poster. At least it is in the movie. Yeah, um, at least so, stuff like it happens. Yeah. So here's the, here's the back the backdrop for you, um, which is very very unsurprising. So obviously, like so many uh, Italian nasties or just Italian horrors of this era, um, Dawn of the Dead was hugely popular. Um, therefore, many directors were just like told to make Dawn of the Dead, but blah. So the the genuine impetus here, the production guideline was make Dawn of the Dead, but more lighthearted, um, which which is evident in the film. Um, it doesn't succeed. <laughs> that bit where the guy's just in a top hat and is just strung a little tutu over both his arms and is jumping around the house with a cane. And it's like... Am I free? Am I freely dissociating here? Oh, like, that bit! Um, that bit is. Are you like thinking? Is this a singing in the rain reference? Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm. Um, because that brings to our next point. Because this was the pitch, um, but maybe the pitch did not work its way to the screenwriters, who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and when they got the script, um, our director, that's Bruno Mattei, who is not credited as Bruno Mattei here, credited as Vincent Dawn. Mm. Um, uh, because the Spanish producers required him to use that name because, you know, Spanish producers be like that. Um, so when they started filming, they realised that the script they did not like at all um, and they had no money. Um, so they had to improvise and rewrite on the go. So those scenes of random singing the rain reference is just, well, let's just do something um, mm-hmm. in a way to try and get the tone we want the tone to be. So that's why it's just utterly bizarre. Yeah, and the- it's like, other- otherwise it's a fairly like, po- it's it's a fairly po-faced movie. Um, yeah. And, but then there are these random, like specifically the, the no one reined in particular actors or those actors were encouraged to just go for it, dude. Um, our like, I keep referring to them as cops. They're actually commandos, but yeah, like, they, it they, says it says later they're an Interpol squad. Yeah, so they kind of are. They are cops. But um, they 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 introduce as the stand-ins for the cops in Dawn of the Dead. 
Yes. Um, in that almost an exact replica of that, um, the scene where they stormed the hotel in Dawn of the Dead. Um, and uh, th- those guys, A, they're the most annoying people. Like, oh, they're you horrendous. Ha- you spend the entire movie with these guys, and they suck. They're shit as well. Like, there's, there's one thing mm-hmm. to be just, like, terrible, but also, like, you can't even do your jobs properly. And yep. each and every single one of the actors is either... There's two of them who are functionally uh, and, like, indistinguishable. Um, they're both exactly the same kind of, like, middle-aged rough guys. Just one is um, hitting on the uh, the one female character in the movie and the other one doesn't oh. like her. And then there's a there's a balding bloke who look who has kind of the kind of driver goblin role, and then the other another guy who's crazy. He's off oh, the hinge, I man. Really could not stand him. And they just and they like the director clearly told him in all of his scenes, like, man, you know this what this needs some this needs some pizzazz. You need to make this feel unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, thank you for that note. I was thinking the same thing myself, Bruno. Um. So, speaking of Goblin, um, with my very clumsy segue, another way in which this movie is like Dawn of the Dead is it uses the literal music from Dawn of the Dead. Yes, it does. Like, the literal music. So mm-hmm. Goblin pres- do the score for this film. I say that advisable. They don't do the score for this film. It has a Goblin score to this film. Um, but the thing worth noting is... It's a score from different movies that Goblin have already scored. So mm-hmm. all of the music is borrowed from elsewhere. So I could forget someone who watched this movie and be like, this score is brilliant because it sounds so good, um, but none of it is original. Yeah, the, the, the opening like titles, I was like, man, this slaps good. Um, and then I realised like this is, like I have heard this title <laughs> somewhere, uh, somewhere before. Um, like it, this movie promises promises so much in those opening yeah um, um so for me it comes down to a central problem of 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 not just direction in terms of the director but the direction the film is going in so they want to make a light-hearted dawn of the dead um, yeah. however the scriptwriters definitively did not want to do that i've got a quote yeah. from them so this is claudio fragasso and roselia drudi um, who are frequent collaborators um and i've got a a quote from them that i will paraphrase they said they want to do something different um, less like Dawn of the Dead and more like Soylent Green. They were fed up of um, Dawn of the Dead ripoffs. Um, they wanted to, and I think this is evident towards what the film thinks it is at the end of the movie. Um, I have a direct quote which I will quote word for word. They wanted to make quote an undead epic, a kind of apocalypse now. Yeah, well, it's got the, it's got all, it's got a lot of the kind of weird racist colonial trappings. Of, um, of that, um, it's it's like, like there are edges to Apocalypse now that are uncomfortable, but most of the film is absolutely spectacular. This is just like, what if it was entirely those edges? Oh, so like, what if we'd made Resident Evil Five? Like, yes, I have that in my notes several times. Yeah, um, what if we just had a? What if we just like what? What excuse can we come up with to kill a bunch of brown people? Um, what if we who, made Resident Evil Five with the dialogue of Resident Evil One slash Two? Mm, yeah, like if you if you want if you want to get full gamer on it, um, and the perform and the performances, um, yeah, because it really is like you know. So the let's just go over like the kind of the basic beats of the. Um, the film, yes, I guess. but before there is one explanatory moment um, about who made this, um, and there is another bit of important context. So. 
Claudio Fragasso and Roselia Drudi um, are names that maybe you do recognise in the back of your head. So these people that thought they were making Apocalypse Now are the writers of Troll 2. Mmm. Now, so, see, I'd agree. So I think... That is somewhat indicative of the problems of this movie. Um, of, that is the caliber of screenwriters. I love Troll 2, but Troll 2 is an abysmal movie. Um, also, um, the issue with this film in terms of footage is a lot of the movie is footage from a different film that they just had to splice in. Um, a documentary called New Guinea, Island of the Cannibals. Um, so ah, that's yeah, why... Mm, yeah, that's yeah, why there's lots of random it. footage of New Guinea that is used to imply zombie at points when I'm like, that's just a crowd of people. You could not... Please, can you stop calling the people zombies? That's just a crowd of people. Um, yeah, so like it there's, is, there's a lot of, like, just straight documentary footage in this yeah. movie. There's, like... It's like it's a completely because you sign like like you know this this slow motion picture of like a, a marsupial jumping through the trees. This looks ten times better than anything else yeah. in this movie. And then it just cuts back to the same like five people driving around in the jeep in the same like you know five hundred square meters of land. Yeah, it's, um, it's filmed in Spain, and then they had to like try and recreate some of the elements. It very much does. Um, yeah. So that is the background around this movie. Do you want to give us a, br- a brief overview of, of the plot, okay. and then I'll read you a different overview of the plot. Okay, so the overview of the plot is that there is a, uh, you know, stripped from the headlines, a lab leak uh, from uh, from a um, a testing facility called Hope. A hope it's center. like Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, where a uh, the the zombie virus gets out, the plant the plant is overrun, um, and then we cut to a uh, a hostage situation. Um, who are introduced very confusingly? Um, you're like, sorry, this yeah, is a new sorry, movie now. Sorry. Yeah, it's a new movie. It's a hostage situation. So it's trying to do the Dawn of the Dead thing of like, we'll cut to the the um, the, the hospital storming scene of the of dawn of the dead um except uh, it's a hostage scene the uh the hostages are are um kind of left-wing radicals is the implication i have some um, quotes here actually um, yeah go for it yeah there was one specific quote here that stood out i think i would probably have the same one so there's a journalist outside with his beautiful looking camera and so he's asking about the the motivations of the of the the terrorists in quote the the hostage takers and the way this scene intersects the previous um makes no sense at all and we'll get to that so the terrorist sorry the um journalist yeah, yeah, um, gonna... turns to the police outside and says what do you think they are Palestinians, Iranians, or a new kind of terrorist? Oh, uh, so it's excuse me, sir. Do you work for CNN? <laughs> yeah, it, it it is very much like. Oh, at that point, I was like, ah, that's the kind of movie we're playing mm. with, is it? So yeah, I think yeah. I don't think we need to comment on that. I think our audience understands. Yeah, um, yeah. If you take the yeah. old, um, take the old uh, description of a director, I can't remember who said it. You know, some French guy. So the description of the French. <laughs> director as a uh, person who injects a politics into the film. Uh, yeah, I think it was Aristotle that to, said that. Yeah, yeah Aristotle exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, injects in politics, politics into the film. Um, you compare this to almost the identical scene um, in Dawn of the Dead where the cops are running rampant, murdering yes. innocent people, uh, versus this one where the commandos just go in and murder everyone. 
Um, we, but we, but it's it's shown as being super cool and justified because they're it's bad shown as terrorists. being cool and justified. But then if you if you and this is why I stopped paying attention to the film because it was punishing me for paying attention. So the first scene, you're in the Hope Center and you realise that the Hope Center has doomed the world mm-hmm. to a zombie virus. Um, and that we're all going to die. This scene then shows random people who are coded as being idiots doing a hostage situation to put a message across. Now, it's not the best way to put the message across at all because it's just Mm. everyone's just like, what are you doing? We realise their motivations are they want to shut down the hope centres. We're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, of course we do. We want to do that. We've just learned the hope centres. That's good. Um, And then the people who kill them are now the people you're going to spend the rest of the movie with. Yeah, they become the heroes and defective protagonists. I'm like, you... They just... The rest of the Spanish movie trying to solve the problem these people were protesting. Yeah. Um... And uh, this, so I stopped paying attention, Adam. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, uh, no. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't help. Um, while while watching this movie, and we'll get to that a bit in terms of the the details once they you know go uh, quote unquote into Africa. Um, uh, a little aside. Nothing in I I enjoy nothing more than watching pre um, militarization of the police war and drugs like footage of so called commandos of these bumbling yes. idiots stumbling they're very each- bad what they do yeah they're very bad what they do they send all the guys in with the big long range rifles into a into the Looking like world. international rescue or like postman yeah <laughs> whereas um and everyone else like it's 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 so funny um because they're they're clearly thinking that trying to show these guys is kind of badass what <laughs> kind of they're pulling off a, a maneuver and the answer is they just walk into rooms firing from the hip um, yes, and they pose for their shoot. Classic, jump into a scene, pose, shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, and we've already been introduced to them as just absolute numbskulls before mm-hmm. the like the the shooting even begins. So there's just like you already don't want them to succeed, and then no. it like very quickly says, "Oh, these guys that we think are super cool, you're going to spend the rest of the movie with them." And you're like, <laughs> "Oh, so this movie starts off actually in the first five minutes." really strong and it was at this uh, point really where i was like fun i mean like, even the first five minutes i mean they're like entertainingly bad that like, a bit rat where... kills a guy yeah so there's a bit where they're in this, this ultra secure like hope center and they're looking at like nuts and bolts and he just picks up a rat and it's just like there is a rat here you're like what and then yeah so you're like i'm like i don't know the stakes i'm very confused and then he just hustles the rat the rat comes to life and it very limply crawls up in his little headpiece and it, this is such a trope the film keeps up to the very last scene of horrific violence happens and everyone else just stands and watches like oh this is awkward yeah, um, oh my god oh uh, my I guess, god this is horrific should i should i, I say guess something? i should do something and this yeah. happens like 12 times they just stand there like oh you've been this is the most avertible zombie apocalypse I've ever seen in a film the zombies feel like no threat at all the way that they act is just like they're not even trying to be zombies they just feel like people just doing people stuff there's a bit when they're eating out someone's chest in the beginning and the way they're eating meat seems almost delicate like an afternoon Mm. tea like and the way that they do the zombie hand wave thing is like they're doing like very bad school drama just caressing the air it feels like mime everything feels like a mime job they move very slowly they're not threatening they don't look very good and the only reason they win is because people just keep standing and watching them. Yeah, everyone is paralysed by the sight of a zombie doing anything. Uh, mm. There are multiple scenes where a person is not just like in like grabbing distance, but is literally surrounded. But it, you know, I guess plot armour. 
um, is that they're not being grabbed or bitten, yeah. whereas everyone else, like everyone else, is. Where they're just kind of like mugging in front of these zombies' faces, like <laughs> yeah. talking, talking smack um, at these zombies, and they're not doing anything. So little is their threat is that um, the only reason people ever get eaten by them is that they just kind of stand around. There's a scene where a guy is surrounded by zombies, and he has a gun. <laughs> I don't know the working order of this gun, but he decides to kind of swing it around like a cricket bat, uh, <laughs> rather than, you know, shooting the zombies. Um, and the the, fun, the best thing is, is that's the point where the zombies are the most agile, because he's they don't want to get... These extras have been told, hey... Don't take the butt of this G3. Um, get out of the way. So they jump back. They dodge. Like and, the shark. Like the zombie shark fight in Zombie Flash Eaters. You know, that yeah, level of... It's just like, oh, there's suddenly like actually con- like the, there's physical awareness here. Um, mm. And like the, the movie just because of it has this languid pace as a result, because not only are these like, these are, these aren't even remember Romero zombies. Cause the, the fun thing about like um, Romero zombies is it's that kind of shambling, falling over each other, like this yeah. mindless forward movement. And it's like, they're slow. They're not like you can run around them, but they're not going to stop coming. And this one's yes. like, yeah, they're not going to stop coming next week. They'll arrive. <laughs> Cause <laughs> they're just, they're, they're, they're really lackadaisical about this whole brains and flesh action. They don't seem bothered. And like, it's just a problem with the film throughout. It's, it's just, it has, again, no tension or any appeal, which is why it starts to become so goddamn boring. Um, so we, we, we leave this first scene. However, I want to say like, there, is a, there are some, a few things in this film which are recontextualised, and this sounds like it's actually a fancy movie, but are recontextualised by the ending when you realise what it's actually about. Because this is a cold open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are bits that I thought were hilarious until I worked out what they meant. I'm like, oh, actually, that's not funny at all. So... The guy on the phone refers to the operation as Operation Sweet Death, which I was like, mm-hmm. what a hilarious thing to call it. And so you work out this film is about overpopulation rhetoric, mm-hmm. um, which is utter bullshit. Um, and that is why it is called that. So even the bits that are fun at the beginning, you're like, oh, it's it's actually called that because of this stupid thing um, and stupid yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an offensive way. So we jump yeah. out of that's the... A, the that's, a, that's the kind of a soil and green kind of um, gesture. This, this film is trying to make like like a a comment or something oh, about God, its like, comment is horrible yeah and it's it's trying it's 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 comment first is hey this, this like a this is um a problem which it isn't it's just a it's just kind of a a, a colonial talking point um yes. and then it suggests oh what if our solution to this went wrong and the thing is a it's not a problem so it doesn't require a solution yeah. and b um it, ta- it, it takes for granted, I guess, that a solution to this needs to be reached. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it's it's like possibly like every single, you know, you can have zombies, you can be like, oh, you know, people got, you know, cordyceps from the, you know, mushroom in the, in the Amazon, and now they're like the ants that eat people, like eat each other or something. Or, um, oh, it's a, you know, version of the influenza, you know, 28 days later or something. Like zombies oftentimes, you know, at this point, do not need to necessarily have a politics or an allegory to them. It it, it helps, um, but this one goes all, all the way for the most kind of racist and eugenicist. 
Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Because like the the uh, what it's doing is it, it it thinks that it is making a progressive stance about we need to, and already you've used the listener will go that's not progressive at all. It thinks it's taking the progressive stance, the stance that it thinks is progressive of we need to look after certain parts of the world or there will be chaos. And in that already is an idea of like colonial stewardship, which is deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah pater- of, paternalistic. Like, well, we yeah. don't own this anymore, but we have a responsibility to make sure you know they because they can't govern them themselves um that's that's the 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 note it it lands on but then Um, it also wants to be like oh because we because we played around with the place therefore it goes bad but that's mm -hmm. such a surface level point in the film what the film is actually doing this is why it's a problem is it is talking about first of all the idea of linking zombies to the places it's showing and it wants to show it wants to show the places it's showing as poverty ridden it wants to show the underdeveloped world it believes in the idea of the third world which we're going to use very advisedly as a term we do not use but the film very much believes in and this idea of showing a people going mad wanting to eat each other it thinks that's a great visceral message about look what Famine is doing to these places yeah, in such an unbelievably insulting way, yeah, and it yeah, gets look, even look, worse. Look what you know the quote unquote overpopulation overpopulation mm. is doing to these places. We must sort this out. We must feed them. Is what it's getting at yeah. because otherwise they'll feed on us, and that's just like that is horrendously racist. Um, but the biggest problem for me is just how how either tone deaf it is or how horrifically aware it is of what it boils down to is it's about a fear of a disease coming from a specific part of the world that will reach us Mm. and i think i know what disease it's alluding to yes and i'm just like no movie no not at all how dare you how dare you at all and like to either that's purposeful and i think that it is or it's so accidental that it's still unforgivable yeah, um, and it indicatively makes the uh, the argument that, you know, we need to keep tabs on, we need to monitor and regulate and control these areas, even if we don't actually yes. own them anymore, because otherwise these things, things will be allowed out, you know, out of the, out of the woods. Or if we allow, if we allow, you know, the, like, who knows what's going on in these communities, that kind of, that kind of um, grotesque stuff, Um that forms the basis of argument for everything, you know, that's going on places like the Amazon, places like um, Papua New Guinea, where uh, corporations use this idea, this idea Mm. that, oh, well, climate change is going to, uh, you know, endanger these populations anyway. So we really should be, you know, taking control and stewardship over them and their land um, in order to ensure that nothing, uh, nothing um, else bad happens and also gives them then control over those resources for themselves. Um, which leads that. me to the IMDb plot description of this film, which I wanted to drop in at some point. Um, so IMDb plot descriptions are hilarious because they're crowdsourced, which means often they include editorialising, mm-hmm. often they are wrong. Um, and here's a perfect example of someone who thinks they are praising the movie and has actually revealed the huge issue of the movie. It's very, very short. So um, this is by a person called Michael Brook. Um, He has his email after it. I'm not going to read it out, obviously, but it is there. Thanks, Um, Michael. If you want to send him him an email... Go to IMDb, it's there. Um, Tell me. I presume... uh, This was probably a long time ago. I presume that he'd look back at this now and hopefully he's a changed person. Um, So, Michael, we're cool. Um, This was a messed up thing to write. 
After a chemical leak at the Hope Centre in Papua New Guinea, an organisation devoted to feeding undeveloped countries mm. mm-hmm. turns its staff into flesh and zombies, a four-man commando squad led by Mike London are sent to investigate. They run into a TV news crew led by celebrity reporter Leah, who are after the same story. When they discover that the entire country has been over by zombies, what are the chances of them getting the message across? Unlike most zombie films, this actually tries to make a serious point that if we don't feed the third world, they'll come and feed on us. What? Okay, Michael. Um, what, Michael? <laughs> this is, uh, this is the, uh, did Prince Philip write this? It's Jesus. First of all, <laughs> okay. Weirdly, the biggest problem, unlike most zombie films, makes a serious point. Have you watched any other zombie film, dude? Ah, uh, see, most zombies are just about uh, you know the the dead rising again and eating people. Um, you know, in you know a mall, perhaps you know a place without context or public. Yeah. Meanwhile, this um, is about the dead rising and eating people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got a it's got a whole. It's it's meaningful. It's not your grandpa's zombie film. It's not one of these brainless shambling films that have nothing to say. If we don't feed them, they will feed us. Just, I I cannot even begin to unpack that statement. I love the idea of Michael, like, watching, uh, writing this from, like, his kind of two-bedroom apartment in, like, Hertfordshire or something. Like, (laughs) it's just like, ah, yes, you know, that's what I'm, it's like, you know, um, you know, two mentions of Royals in the same breath. It's Band-Aid. This is Band-Aid. Yeah, didn't 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 Prince William go on a tirade about this like a year or so yeah, ago? Yeah, about, yeah, 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 yeah. About over, yeah. Over, overpopulation. Yeah, he did that exactly. It's just someone someone's sitting there going like, "Oh yes, if we do, if we don't feed Africa, they're gonna come for me in my in my because, bed sit. because they're feral animals that we need to feed as if they are our dogs. Exactly. Like, throw them a bone. Oh my god, and and. But that's the problem with this. This reminds me. I've I've got a friend, a couple of friends recently who watched a film called The Burning. Um, I just really ah, liked yes. it. So this this mm. this reminds me of like the the rhetoric around these films, which is still kept up. That these are these kind of like interesting B movies, and so much of them are like are just actually utter heinous trash. Um, and the fact that they think they've got stuff going on to them. The stuff going on is, is the problem because they're so poorly articulated. I would prefer an absurd any day that patently has nothing going on so it cannot ban- bungle its articulation of it. Trying to make a serious point is the problem with this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think also because um, I think now, like, if, to make a generalisation about, but like kind of in, in, our current, in kind of our current state of modernity, we do have a cognizance of ideological frameworks that we didn't have you know 10 years ago god forbid 40 um yeah so when we now when when people watch this like these days you watch something and go like oh this is trying to this is this is interesting it's trying to say something it's because most yeah most films even the the worst kind of netflix horror trash that you'll see has a awareness of the images that it's showing and has thought about um what those images mean because they're going to be um they're going to be broadcast to a a global audience you can't have anything that you you can't have anything in these movies that is too overtly just generally despicable still happens Um, yeah hello extraction how you doing yeah Um, but it's yeah absolutely still happens but 
um, that's all the stuff that um, a, a bunch of producers and you know lawyers and PR people and marketing people have all looked at and gone, yeah, this is fine or this is going to sell well. You go and watch a movie from like the 70s and 80s where none of those kind of checks and balances were put in place and people were just swinging for the fucking fences. And it comes out as, well, I mean, this is audacious. This is different because you're not used to seeing something that genuinely doesn't yeah. care who it hurts. Um like a Tinto and, Brass movie, <laughs> like yeah, and and I think if you go, you like watch even a good movie from the like a really great movie from the seventies. I think um, like um, Antonioni's um, Laclis is a really great example of that, of which is actually quite a brilliant movie, and then partway through just has this like blackface sequence, and you're <laughs> just like. What? Yeah. Why well, is this in this film? And like, I get what it's trying to say. Trying to say in the wider politics of the film, it's, it's trying to talk about kind of like um, bourgeoisie, kind of like laissez-faire attitudes, so they don't really care about anything, and they're just trying to like spice their lives. But the the Lexus he uses for that is just like Antonioni. What are you doing? Um, so yeah, you know, you, you are correct. There's a sense of even films with with ideas, we're expressing them in very very different ways. Yeah, and, and they were expressing purely because they could. Um, because mm. it was stuff that wasn't being expressed in in film before. Yes, and because of what what identities were allowed to be prevalent um, at that point in media, and what identities were being silenced. Um, yeah. So therefore, it looks like a common trope of this is what everyone thought, as opposed to this is those who are allowed to have the means of media production and therefore push whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah, you're looking at a a generation of filmmakers who were you know in the you know like mid to mid to late twenties or, you know, in their thirties who had gone through, uh, gone through a bourgeois education and had yeah. read, you know, had read shocking media. They, you know, the, one of these guys is probably, you know, I've read story of the eye. I think I should make some messed up shit, um, and put it on, on film. And no one was there to stop it because this was provocative and interesting cinema that people mm. wanted to go see because they hadn't seen anything like this before. It was new Hollywood. Um, and yeah, because they that's the environment didn't have access that they sh- to international film. Um, yeah, that's the environment that these kind of things, and it was happening on a global level. That's what it was erupting from. You talk about, you know, Romero, one of the like yeah. unappreciated new Hollywood uh, guys. Um, this movie is directly inspired by someone trying to make an interesting and provocative piece of cinema. Yeah, and. Um- so that, that's the movie, right? I mean, I want to actually get a couple more quotes from the opening section where it's fun, and then we'll spend a very little time with the rest of the movie because it just does, it falls into a melange of just, just horribleness. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this opening assault scene just has some of the best bad lines I've seen where I'm like, this is the troll to I've got, people. I've got some, I've got some good Have you got one of that balls written down? Yeah, I've, I got do. both, I've, got the, I've got the balls-based exchange. Um, Did you note, was the character called Daddy? Yeah, I, I, had I wrote because Daddy I thought it was Danny. So can I? Would you I like the honor? To, okay, I listened um, to it three times, and I'm pretty sure he said Daddy. Can we do a call okay. and response here? Okay, um, all I'll, right. So I'll take the I'll first. Be I'll, the one that, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start Daddy. as I'll start. I'll start us off. So um, the context here is we're having a back and forth, <laughs> and I'm I'm the like we're uh, waiting uh, to stop terrorism. We're waiting to stop terrorism. I am the grizzled vet, and you're the young hothead. Um, yeah, it's true so in so many ways. You're, you're you're ready to do some murder, and I say, just be careful you don't get your balls wasted. When did you start caring about our balls, Daddy? Mm-hmm. What? When indeed? <laughs> when indeed? Just, what a line that thinks See, it's really cool. Man, this movie would be so much better if it had more of that shit. Um, 
that it's that that is the last memorable line in the film. Yeah. Like, I don't think there is yeah, any yeah. other memorable dialogue whatsoever. I don't remember don't remember any of it at all um, in terms of actual words spoken. But that line is so good in terms of being like, let's do some cheese ball kind of like tough stuff and having a guy say, when did you start caring about our balls, daddy? As if it's like, check your testicles kind of point of being like, you know what, copper feel, it's important to make sure they're Yeah, exactly. Funny. Make sure, you know, they're, like, you've got to check yourself. You know, it's your own responsibility. You're all getting up. Get that clip and put it in an advert about men's health. It's yeah. just so great. And that's at the that's at the point there where you still feel the film is a bit salvageable. You've had the like Palestinians, Iranians, or some other kind of terrorist. You're like, um, oh, that's dumb. You're like, that's maybe the right yeah. kind of dumb. Okay, yeah, that's dumb. And then that comes happening. You go like, well, you you've you've still got my attention, film. And then they squander all of that goodwill of a rat crawling into a guy's hazmat suit and eating his neck. <laughs> Well, well, our friend watches on. Um, and then the next line that I've got written down is the turning point of the film. Um, I'm going to make a horrible noise in a second. I apologise for the listeners, but I had to watch it, so therefore you are. It's, they suddenly just go, I guess we have to go to New Guinea now. I guess they just do. Why not? Mm-hmm. And one of them says, like, ah, oh, yes, New Guinea, where the broads are naked and wild. And he goes, ha-ha! <laughs> that fucking dude. Is that the goblin yeah. guy? That's the goblin, little, little weird goblin you do. Yeah, like he's he gets- salacious crumb. Yeah, um, yeah. I this the the point at which it leaves the the siege is where this movie just like it falls off a cliff. It is so slow and tedious, um, and the few thrills or like you know things I go like, ha, ah, yeah, that seven year old just ate a guy pretty good. Oh, ben- okay, yeah, we'll get to the seven year old. He's the best part yeah. of the film. Yeah, he's good. Um, Hi Diego, if you're listening, yes, I'm going to talk about how a child dying is the best part of the movie. It's a nasty yeah. pals episode. Yeah, you know, just you know, make me feel something. Um, that that kid that kid rules. Um, I, oh. That kid rules because he kills that guy who is also like super annoying. Um, yeah, but uh, like the actual protra- protagonist, we we go to the the actual protagonists, the reporter, the reporter, and her uh, cameraman. Um, in Papua New Guinea, um, we'll get to the actual setting of the film and the footage used. Yeah. because I have it is. one more. I have one more quote that I thought okay. was just so brilliant. Actually, it's at what one of the quote terrorists says um, about what's going to happen to them. Again, the terrorists here are on the right side. Yeah, like, the, the, they the, are the terrorists trying... are the terrorists in quotation marks are the unlike the unequivocal good guys. They don't do anything. All they're doing is trying to grab media attention. And the film even shows that the media just refused to say their message, which is kind of cool. Like, a better film would make more of that. They're not shooting anyone. They're not harming anyone. They are just... It says it's the Capitol building. They just grab the Capitol building as a way of trying to get out. I don't know how they know this stuff, but they want to say, stop the Hope Center. Um, And then he says one of these accidental terrible lines where I'm like, oh, dude, what you implied is not correct. So he says they're going to have terrible deaths. Um... And then, so he's like, you're going to have horrible deaths. First they'll kill you, and then after that, you'll be eaten. You'll be devoured, eaten by men, like you, your brothers. I'm like, oh. But I'll be dead, right? Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you have terrible like deaths. That. And after that, you'll be eaten. I'm like, oh, I don't really care, dude. Like, I mean, you yeah, said the deaths are going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, the, the, like, again, it's, it's, I, again, it's, there, there's enough there. There's enough, like, entertaining dumb shit. The even right when the commandos are, even though the commandos are like fucking slitting throats and like posing whenever they like take a shot and stuff mm. and like doing these kind of 
ridiculous hand gestures trying to like communicate yeah. with each other. It's like, yeah, this is done. This is fun. I'm having a good time here. At least it's moving. Yes. And then brick roll. Then bam, we jump to lots of footage of corpses and bone piles. Mm-hmm. It's Papua New Guinea. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Papua New Guinea. Um, and then very rapidly Africa. Yeah, um, and we get we get an overacting racist complaining about bringing a seven year old along. It's like I can't believe we have to be here with these people. Blah 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. Then that seven year old kills him. So yeah, which rules. I love the um the how they indicate that the seven year old is in fact you know been has now has the zombie plague is that yeah. they ask this kid to like just look really mad. He's the best actor in the film <laughs> yeah, by far. Yeah. Like that's the only one good bit about yeah. him. When, when yeah. the kid turns, he's so okay. mad. He's so cute and so mad, and then he just totally eats that guy. And then that bit where they get him out of the car and are oh, like holding him in arms. Ironically, like... my favorite bit of the movie is when. They're trying to work out how to kill the zombies, like every zombie film, and then one guy realises, shoot them in the head, which I'm like, why is this an epiphany? Like, that's how you kill a person. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's a guy standing with what, to me, a man that doesn't know guns, looks like a magnum or something, like this like very yeah, powerful it's, it's, revolver. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just a, yeah, it's like a, a Mosin or something, like a, just a, yeah. a classic revolver. With blowback, like something that's like, is packing a punch, and a kid just starts walking forwards, just gets shot, and just goes blowback, and it just does that like three times, and it's very, very funny to me, of just like kid walking, just like, bam, I hit the car again, keep walking, because like, it is so bad at conveying kid was shot, or kid was damaged. Yeah. Like, this movie like, doesn't have, movie that doesn't have squibs, or, like, so there are all these shots where people are getting shot in the head, and it's like a minor abrasion appears on their forehead, um... <laughs> And uh, like this is the like this extended scene where um, the people in the car, including the reporters, happen across an abandoned um, a, a, an abandoned church and township. Um, almost everyone in the car dies except the reporter and the cameraman. And yeah. the commandos show up in a separate vehicle and uh, separate vehicle and discover the zombies and the fact that they can only be. Uh, killed by being shot in the head so we're not big nolan fans here as, as listeners will know but like we we both are aware of like of like the, the the technicality of what nolan can pull off and like some of his like techniques are effective even if they're only in a base level way and often that's the issue with some of his films is because like the techniques rise above the content so a thing that nolan does all the time is this this intercutting of action where he's 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 very good at here are five climatic moments and we're gonna cut between them and each one adds tension to the other um which is a, a viscerally entertaining thing to watch. And, you know, in Tenet, it doesn't really work. Um, but the actual idea is very, very good. This tries that um, by cutting between these four climactic moments. But to get, like, very film theory about it, the reason it doesn't work is because it, it's it's like a round in which it's delayed. So rather than capturing the point of tension and then of tension, we reach a zombie being discovered and start eating and then cut to another sequence where zombies aren't discovered yet so the tension boils up and drops down and we wait for that sequence to boil yeah, up yeah. again they, and then we they aren't all one. on the same track exactly and it's just such a it's such a it's such a poor way of doing that because it's this like weird oscillation of like tone and tension it's rather than being like we're amping it up by showing these stakes going at different points it's just like we're gonna grab you and then just like release you grab you release you and it's just another case of being like these films are just so poorly constructed so stop trying to do things mm-hmm yeah, it's the it's the bit in um, George Lucas watching um, the the final cut of um, of Phantom Menace, going like, "I'm here, gone too far." Um, 
because it's just that you you don't you don't know like the 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 spatial relationship of of anything. You don't know if um stuff is occurring at the same time because yeah. of that because like you've got one thing where you know a kid's trying to eat a person, and then you cut to people kind of languidly scrolling through strolling through a classroom. So <laughs> and like you can hear this is a small error. You would be able to hear a gun going off. Yeah, in the in the background and and nothing, um, and one of these scenes is the point where they di- they discover some zombies. Um, the cops are cops, so they're like ah, murder zombies, and well, <laughs> zombies, yeah. And yeah, you heard Adam shit- here. Adam thinks that cops shouldn't kill zombies. Adam wants yeah. to keep the zombies alive. Hell yeah! They, at least these zombies zombies want to have good. They just want to chow down and have a good time. Unlike these zombies, just want to have fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and these these chuckle these chuckleheads. Um, are like, ah, you know, it's my turn to murder zombies, and they shoot them, and they don't die because they're shooting them, you know, in the mm-hmm. extremities of the body. They discover after going through about a couple of magazines that, ooh, no, you have to shoot him in the head. Now, Stephen, throughout the rest of the movie, they continue to shoot <laughs> zombies in the head. Do they use this information that they have gleaned as the only <laughs> successful way to shoot a zombie? It's also Do you not think hard. Sh- like, yeah, it's not slow like, moving. oh no, this is like a five-step process. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you're already shooting them. Shoot them in the head. They're not even moving very quickly. Um, sure, a few rounds will go go wide, but you'll at least kill them. But no, the rest of the movie, they will spend firing from the hip, just shooting these zombies, no squibs or anything, nothing like, you're not even getting kind of cool, like, you know, gore, blood splattery fun stuff, you know. It's just, you know, like, occasional puffs and them kind of, you know, pretending to jolt around. Yeah. Um, and they just keep, and the rest of the movie keeps doing that, so it's just, it creates this, this rule set, and then a, you know, an engine for uh, increasing tension is you're not hitting them in the head, they're not going to die. Um, yeah. But it shows that the people with this knowledge are going are not going to use it anyway. Um, I know, and, and this brings us to the the portion of the movie that I think we'll we'll go over quite quickly because it's just horrendous. Um, the native so, face scene. Yeah, so it, it, this film has a lot of footage of indigenous people, um, and it has this one of the most hilarious nudity moments in Nasty Pals yet, <laughs> where it is just the ladies' breasts just fit the frame, and the frame is only there for that. <laughs> It's just like bad. Well, it's just, like, it goes oh. for like I'm going to disguise myself and go into the tribe, and then suddenly she's naked, got full, uh, got you know um, tribal paint on, and so eventually, she, so she goes in, and there are all these kind of shots of oh, you know God, it's just people, so horrendous, like these um, people going through kind of uh, dances and rituals and stuff like that, and she's kind of the the, the white observer for a good chunk of these these scenes. Uh, she's not it's like it's a hitman level they're all just like yeah hey agent 47 how you doing yeah You're like one the, of us yeah one of us it's like everyone would notice and and they do eventually but it's like it's like a switch um that this but then like, it's like, it's like cultural hierarchies right it's yeah. like this idea of being like we could emulate what they're doing very easily because we have the intellect it's like it's it's iq shitposting stuff it's absolute bullshit yeah it's yeah it's um you know evo psych shit um going on there and it it just has all these um, this footage of um, kind of co- cultural dances and stuff like that, and it's and it's treating them as if these dances, which they probably went and paid these people to go, hey, just give it a, a dance for us. Um, and it says, ah, oh, this stuff is explicitly to ward off or deal with the problem 
of the zombie of the zombie plague. So it it, oh. it it so it adds this kind of like ominous portent to what are probably you know I'm I'm no you know I'm like a no expert but are probably completely well, innocuous it, it, like it, it like cultural like documentary if you could, footage this these yeah. are things like yeah like cultural uh, cultural village stuff these people are like going through like a uh, you know performing a traditional um, dance or rite and we're going ah oh, yes. It's because of it's because of zombies, and then it intercuts that with footage of people eating maggots off the corpses of like dead villagers and zombies and stuff like that, um, as if to say, ah, well, this is part of their their society any, anyway. Um, you know, like they're desperate. Look what they're doing, and it's just it's like I'm I'm not an anthropologist, oh. and I'm not even one of the you know few decent anthropologists. Um, <laughs> you're one of the bad ones uh yeah uh but i'm just gonna say all of that no it is just like you know it's tribal drums and kind of like heavy heavy breathing and mantras and it's all just like i don't don't have the uh the expertise to actually pick out exactly why that shit is a racist as fuck but it is yeah and um, so i mean i this sounds a bit too chopping and changing and it, it, I don't mean it that way so I watched um, a film recently called Emetai um, Emetai um, so this is a film by Usman um, Semben um, who is like one of the most important filmmakers of all time of, of the 60s and 70s but definitely of all time um, but is ridiculously underseen so he is um, Senegalese and he is one of the very few I think like the first like me- like big Senegalese filmmaker um, his most famous work is Black Girl which is an absolutely phenomenal film um, and arguably part of the French New Wave but very much against the French New Wave um, so he makes films about um, colonialism and what it did to Senegal and is doing to Senegal and why I mention Emete is because it is one of the best films about colonialism I've ever seen because it it takes on the perspective of the colonized nation as opposed to colonizers even apocalypse now which deals with imperialism is like through the lens of the imperialist it doesn't care about those who are being imperialized and the important thing there is that these nations are not colonized nations they are nations that happen to be colonized their previous identity is is, is so important and emite is is a film that that presents to you a lot of very culturally specific practices and it shows them decaying and not working but not in a way it's like all superstition it shows that because of outside influence these are starting to fall apart it definitely talks about like the old spirits not work anymore they're like they're not stopping people coming to our lands and killing us where this film has been like oh no our ways are stupid that film was like no our ways are just being ruined mm-hmm. by yeah, what's like, happening around us yeah there is a um the, like it, it's it's pointing at um colonialism going and this is like this is this is the 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 point of rot. This is the this is yeah. the, the the catalyst that's that's causing. The, yeah, and, and why that film is so cool is it it, it takes place during um, the Second World War and is about them being conscripted and it, and it shows that the war was was not of the world but done to the world that the world is brought into it. The sense that these people in Senegal have no want to be in this war or no needs to. So presenting this like other conflict there is is such a powerful idea of being like this is a side conflict that we're spreading out to and this is another war going on here. Um, whereas this movie that we're talking about, unfortunately, is just being like, these people need looking after because they think some backwards things. Mm, yeah, yeah. We were, we were trying to... We were trying to... Um, to do some, some bad apples ruined it. 
well, we were trying to do something to help them, and now look how they're responding. They don't need. They don't know what they're doing. They're this rat got in the way. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it. Mm. That the, there's a whole lot of that, and almost all of these these scenarios, like it happens about three times, I think, is that they arrive at a place, yeah, um, and they see some they they you know ha- like interact with the indigenous population, and then like a group of, of zombies come happen upon them, or part of the population turns, and then there's panic and chaos ensues. It happens yeah. about three times, it, and it goes through the same the same kind of beats of. Um, the the reporters wanting to get footage, the commandos just wanting to kill everyone and get out and you know to go towards their objective, and then something happens and one of the um, uh, one of the commandos will get killed, or um, or like the report one of the reporter or the cameraman will almost die, and it repeats that about two times, and then at the end of that kind of middle chapter, it culminates in chaos across and wait for it, Africa. Because they just yeah. then they cut to footage of um, like African animals. They go like elephants, and you go, "Those are African elephants. That's that's a gazelle. Like this. Yep. Like these places aren't interchangeable. They're like even even for somebody who doesn't have a you know a particular you know knowledge of you know zoology knows that what you, where you don't? where an African. No, I don't. You know, surprisingly, oh, I thought that's but, why you were on this on this podcast. I thought you were bringing yeah, the the, um, the zoology. I'm, gonna, I'm removing that from my byline. Um, but like, we all know what an African elephant looks like, my guy. Um, yeah. And they just go right there, uh, and they then have these scenes in the uh, the, the kind of the, uh, an emptied out kind of UN, um, which brings it back to that whole kind of you know paternalistic like issue of you know oh these people they're in the, the the tribes are in chaos and they're gonna overwhelm you know the rest of the the constant because of this um this outbreak and it's you know we, we need to do something about it um and it is possibly like we've got we've had some gross gross shit in this um things so far but it may be the most patronizing that yeah. I think we've seen a uh a, a nasty gap with this stuff because like as you said like, it does have it is trying to like make this bizarre point but it it's coming from it's coming from the idea that all these people I mean... are at, are at best kind of like you know ch- children level of intelligence using zombies as a metaphor for overpopulation <clears throat> is just like I mean, that's I was like, you are going for something. Well, I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, okay. No, no, like this idea of the horde. I'm like, wow. As far as like hugely conservative metaphors go, I'm like, I'm almost impressed um, yeah. by how wildly conservative this metaphor is, and like how it does work. It's like obviously, like we have a very clear political stance on this on this podcast, but we don't just hate things when they when they go against that. Like there is some degree of something can be articulating a point to screw with, but it can be articulating it in a way that is is, is interesting. It depends on the point is being made. Obviously, there are points where I'm like, I don't care. But Yeah, like, a uh, like a, you can go for like a kind of a, uh, like a, a Eastwood, you know, Clint Eastwood is a yeah. good example of this. Clint Eastwood makes a lot of um, movies, who, his politics are clearly on display, but because it is a very kind of uh, bizarrely, uh, compassionate old school conservative outlook. It has a lot of kind of uh, emotional resonance, if not, you know, like actually 
good po- good politics or anything that you could you would necessarily agree with if someone made that as a point in an argument. But um, yeah, you know, for example, like uh, his is more kind of prestige stuff, like um, Iwo Jima, has this mm-hmm. very kind of you know ad- admiring um, attitude towards the Japanese military. Um, despite you know everything that the Japanese the Imperial <laughs> Army did, um, it has this it has this admiration for the kind of du- the duty and sacrifice angle, which has yeah. emotional resonance, even if it's not partic- even if it's not something that if you actually you know know the history of it, go well, that may be the case, but I'm not gonna like them. Yeah, um, and it's, it's 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 like with this movie, like there is actually like a powerful image to seeing these big hordes of zombies and that being linked to a population. It's just when you think about it for a second, you're like, no. And no. the, the large problem is it uses actual footage of crowds of people in an actual place who are mm-hmm. not zombies. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, just documentary. It's just documentary footage of like um, a parade. Like, yeah, it's like that's a parade, just, dude. Yeah, like and and like and you know. The documentary you said was, you know, also like its own has its own political, you know, seems to, yes, its its own agenda, which is is evidenced in the footage. Is that these very disorienting close up um, shots, kind of, you know, the the camera seems to be it's almost being held at chest height, so it's bumping into people, and like there's this generalized Mm. sense of, you know, um, overcrowding and chaos there. So even the even the documentary that they are just splicing into this movie is also making the same point. Um, also trying to create this ominous sense of fear in its audience by showing, you know, like, I don't know, like our market. Like, yeah. Um, and it just goes, this movie, like, goes on in those cyclical loops until we get to the, like, the absolute end of it where everybody dies and it's great. Yeah. So should, should we focus on the one great, 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 great bit about the end? Yes, which is the... Uh, the one really good gore scene in this movie. Oh, it's really good though. Like awesome. I'm like, oh, this is a two star movie. Um, so the main lady has her tongue ripped out by a zombie, which looks really good actually. Yeah, it's, it's a um, good shot. And her head gets stretched out so much that her eyes pop out. I always like eye stuff. I I watched all the guinea pig movies recently, which have some really terrific eye stuff in them. Um, so yeah, this scene of just like bits popping out from bodies and just like squish and squelching everywhere, it's very very silly, but it rules. Yeah, it just I was I, I needed something like this because I was just like, what mm. is the fucking point of this film? And then we get to that point where it is surrounded by zombies and there's just some good old eye-popping, tongue-ripping. And I was like, you know what? Like, at least give me that. At least anthropophagus me. Um, mm. Like, it's not as good as anthropophagus. No. Um, it's, no. Not as, it's not as it's not as silly. It's a shame disturbing. because several movies are because the yeah. movie's not very good. <laughs> um, but it, like, it, it's, at le- it's at least something. Um, for a movie yeah. that like has a lots of you know kind of biting scenes, but there's no like kind of lots of scenes where a zombie is biting into some, but you don't get any like you know flesh like ripping and eating and that kind of stuff. Um, there's no, there's very little in the way of blood. Um, you know, you you've you listened to the, the, the Nasty Pals podcast, you know that's like we're all gorehounds here. Mm. Um, give us at least at least that. Um, yeah. Which I think leads us nicely to where does this film go on our list? Uh, let me, I need to pull up this list. I, well, I, I've got it up, so we, we can do the classic, is it better than? All right. Um, 
So is it better than Late Night Trains, Island of Death, Night of the Demon, and The Burning? Um, um, yes, only because like the objectionable stuff in, in it is not as objectionable as the stuff in those movies. I'll say. I... Um, that's going to be my judgment call. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I think you are right. I think it's 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 close to me with the burning, um, but then I don't want to get into this thing of being like let's start starts to debate what different things are objectionable. Um, now, Revenge of the Boogeyman is not a movie. No, I think it's a better movie. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy it. Has bits from the Boogeyman, which is a fun movie, mm. um, and also yeah. it not being a movie is hilarious. Yeah, and, and it's weird and, like, un- uncomfortable and has this weird kind of, like, student art project um, feel to it that I enjoy. So I'm going to say I'm, I'm gonna say a nice uh, number 23 on this one. Yeah, because, like, Delirium and Don't Go in the Woods Alone and Snuff are bad movies, mm-hmm. um, but each of them has, like, a thing going for it. Yeah. Um, like, even that thing is, is ridiculous. Delirium's fucking stupid, but, like, eh. Like, it's I not mean, stupid enough in the end, yeah. but... Yeah, and, like... Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it above any of those, but I also don't put it in the same like category as something is as something is like straight objectionable as um, like, you know, a late night trains. Yeah, so it is a nice twenty three. So um, the list, which I'm going to read out because it's been a while. 27, Lena Trains. 26, Island of Death. 25, Night of the Demon. 24, The Burning. 23, Zombie Creeping Flesh. 22, Revenge of the Boogeyman. 21, Delirium. 20, Don't Go in the Woods. Ellipsis, Alone. 19, Snuff. 18, The Werewolf and the Yeti. 17, Blood Feast. 16, The Last House on the Left. 15, Anthropophagus. 14, The Toolbox Murders. Jesus Christ. 13, The Boogeyman. 12, Don't Go Near the Park. God, that movie rolls. I think we're now... 12 onwards is movies that I have very, very positive memories of. 11, Visiting Hours. That film was cool. 10, The Witch Came from the Sea. Really interesting movie. Um, it's the top 10 now. 9, The Driller Killer. 8, Classic. Flesh for Goddamn Frankenstein. 7, Night of the Bloody Apes. 6, Possession. 5, Zombie Flesh Eaters. 4, A Bay of Blood. 3, Absurd. 2, Tenebrae. And 1, Evil Dead, in parentheses, The Stephen Cut. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, I think that's... I, I, feel, I feel happy there. I feel like the, the impact of Toolbox Murders is lessened with every new... Um, yeah, your, your crime yeah. is being modified. Exactly. You know, it just gets older and older and people don't remember. Yeah, people go. I should go back and listen to that episode. Like, actually, yeah, you well, should. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, should. I, I, I feel like I made a compelling argument. Hmm. So, what are you recommending instead? I have of a recommendation. This bad movie? So, I'm not going to say that. Like, I, I have not seen the, I have not seen the movie, but I have read the book, and I understand that it's a fairly good adaptation, and also stars Patty wow. Constein. Wow. Um, which is always good. So the girl with all the gifts. If you're oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that movie. I, I like, I like that book. So, wasn't the book written as a adaptation of the film? Uh no, the book came first. I thought they were written at the same time. No, though. I thought no, they were produced concurrently. No, the book was written in 2014. The film came out in 2017. Yes, but I'm pretty sure they were made together. Mm. Anyway, the book's good. I think the book okay. is, the, the book is very good, and the film apparently is a fairly straight adaptation. Um, so, and I enjoyed the book um, quite a bit. 
Okay, I think Emma and I are pretty much the only people that don't... I, I think that film's crap. Um, most people think it is great, and I am very surprised by that. But yeah, I think that film sucks. Um, but I just, I'll, take, I'll take a Patty Constantine wherever I, can, wherever I can get it. Yeah, it's better than this. Um, I am going to... I have a lot of things. I don't know. Like, I could go for the classic, like, recommend 12 things. Um, so I could be really highfalutin and recommend Emite, um, but I also don't want to recommend a film about Africa um, for this film because then I'm falling into the the same exact thing trap that uh, the, the, yeah. the thing the film does. Yeah. So, so I am going to go for Troll Two. Yeah, Troll Two. That's that's, that's actually a fun movie. Yeah, like here is two people that wrote this film. Um, watch Troll 2. It's great. It was that or Return of the Living Dead. Um, I'll save Return of the Living Dead will have its time. That movie rules. Um, but for now, Troll 2. The people that wrote this movie wrote that movie. And Troll 2 is, is a really fun, bad movie. Um, this is not that. So watch Troll 2. Could use more fun. Yeah. Um, all right. That'll do us for today. Um, Adam, do you have any plugs or interests? I mean, occasionally you just, you just plug a random thing. I think like mm-hmm. maybe are you yeah, just, like, a radio some, show that you're going to plug. I sometimes like to plug a random thing. I don't have um, anything as yet. Um, you know, um, I'm, I haven't been hugely productive on the uh, creative the creative front. I know you've been uh, carrying that burden um, mm, with your true, with your multiple podcasts. Um, yeah, no, don't have anything particularly unique or interesting for people. Yeah, okay, well, you know, well, um, as always, you can find Adam on the socials, on the, the Twitter. Where do they find you on Twitter, Adam? You can find us at uh, Nasty Pals. I'm, it, it is mostly Nasty uh, Pals-related content, or film-related content. Um, <laughs> but not exclusively. Not exclusively. Sometimes I, sometimes I like to have fun. Yeah, it's true. Um, and you can find me, first of all, I think the best place to find me would be on, on Letterboxd, uh, where, actually, um, I just produced a list on Letterboxd that is getting a lot of traction is on the the front page in the kind of like most like popular lists of um, anti-capitalist anti-imperialist and anti-fascist films um, 100 films to watch if you are interested in that political slant so based on the conversation in this film um, I think there's a nice kind of like films to watch instead of this there a hundred of them for you um so yeah stephen gillespie um stephen edge on um, letterboxd find me there also um a new podcast from myself ranking the monsters via the twingeeks.com and if you look at the twingeeks.com you might see some writing from me there soon but ranking the monsters is a podcast i am doing where myself and my friend calvin um of the twingeeks.com um are watching every kaiju film and are ranking every kaiju film we've done so far um godzilla um the italian godzilla Godzilla, and american remake re-edit of godzilla king of the monsters we have done cloverfield we have done pacific rim we have done godzilla raids again and we've done gamera Man, I, the need giant hear, monster. I need to hear you talk about pacific rim yeah that's a fun episode mm-hmm. um about about it being a kaiju film or not um and the weird decision that film makes to call a robot something that I still mm. can't believe it calls that robot that thing. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a choice, but hey, yeah, you know, Guillermo can't he can't always be or always you know hit a, hit a hundred percent. Yeah, you can't always trust Guillermo, but we love yeah. him. Um, we love him. So that'll be us for this time. Adam, do we have a film lined up for next time? We do. It is Prisoner of the Cannibal God. Prisoner of the Cannibal God. Wait a minute. I just realised from the list we read out, there are movies missing off it. We haven't rated Kit Put Killer None. 
which I do have on the list somewhere. Killer Nun and I Miss You Hugs and Kisses were not on that list. Mm. We didn't write, we haven't put them in the ratings. I'm gonna say low. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say let's uh, let's shove them underneath. Um, don't go in the woods alone. We did it though. I'm sure we did it. I've got the list somewhere else, so I can find it. Yes. Okay. I'll tell you. But let's see. Do you want to guess where they are? Um, I'm gonna say like. I'm gonna say Killer Nun is below, like around under Blood Feast. I'm gonna say no. You are wrong. Mm, no. Killer Nun is the second worst movie because of how goddamn boring it was. Yeah, you know, um, I'll also remember, I remember so little about Killer Nun. Yeah. Um, so Killer Nun is at 27, ahead of Late Night Trains. Um, I miss you, hugs and kisses. That fucking movie. That movie is that movie is really really bad um, that movie is uh, below snuff and above don't go in the woods uh, a decent place for it yeah don't go in the woods alone sorry you know so that is the rectified list and that is us rectified as people um, it's times like this where I wish we had a sign off but we don't so, I don't know, do you want to give us a sign-off? Oh wait, no we do, don't we? We have a sign-off! And you know what? Until next time, I miss you. Hugs and kisses. Yes.